Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, Fish fans. Eli Sussman here, managing editor of Fish Stripes. A couple of important programming notes to pass along to you this weekend. The first is that for the foreseeable future, every episode of Fish Stripes Live is going to be rebroadcasted right here on our podcast feed. We've been doing it throughout the off-season, usually once a week, and just starting here for spring training, ramping it up to twice a week at a minimum, all throughout the baseball season, the Marlins regular season, and if they are so fortunate, the postseason as well. Extremely excited for the third year that we're doing streams, but this will be by far our uh, our best one yet in terms of production quality, guests, conversations, and just an overall good time. You can watch those actually live on our YouTube Twitter and Twitch accounts. Subscribe over there to get the full experience. For those that prefer it this way, beamed in to their podcasting app, I got you. That's why we're rebroadcasting it here so that you can get those conversations in case you miss them during the normal week. Also, just starting up, a new exclusive sponsor of these streams, LaPop. L-A-P-O-P, new business based out of Doral. They provide chiropractic care and functional medicine at an extremely affordable rate. They are run by a big-time Marlins fan. If you have neck pain, headaches, back issues, those type of things, this is perfect for you. Even if you're feeling great, LaPop is in the business of making sure you continue to feel great with routine maintenance um, of all parts of your body. They're extremely innovative, and I'm so excited for their success. I'm Excited to be a tiny part of their success and really value the fact that they are investing in us and providing our Marlins coverage. You can find all the details at their website, lapop.com, L-A-P-O-P.com. And once you're ready, they are awaiting your first appointment. So schedule your visit on their site or by calling their number at 305-381-5255. So that's from our friends at LaPop. The other programming note is that very quietly, we are finalizing a divorce from the SB Nation Podcast Network. I'm sure most of you didn't even realize we were part of that podcast network officially. That's been the case, though, for the last four years, believe it or not. They've made their decision that they're kind of getting out of the podcast game, and that's their loss. We're going to simply transition to a new podcast network. Details about that to come out very, very soon. If you're listening to this, it should not affect you in any way. We are retaining full control of this podcast feed. We're going to continue providing the same kind of content and, uh, of course, more content now that the season has finally arrived with Fish Stripes Unfiltered, Fishology, my own official show episodes as well, and other formats. And now with these streams that will be adding up here after the fact as well, among many other things. It's going to be a busy place, and we appreciate those who subscribe. And for a limited time, you can continue to find this channel when you search for Fish Stripes on your preferred podcast app. So once the transition to our new network home is complete, I'm going to brief you on exactly what that means. And 
why we're uh, we're even more excited about joining a network that is more collaborative. And I think that will even increase the, the kind of guests that we can have, the creativity of the audio offerings that we're putting out there. So I wanted to brief you on that before you notice any changes to the channel, which will be coming later on here in spring training. That being said, this is the most recent edition of Fish Stripes Live, where our staffers were joined by the MMA fortune teller, a longtime Marlins fan who himself is a content creator in the MMA business. So you could take a listen to this stream, and pretty soon we're going to upload the next one right here on this podcast feed. Thanks for your support of Fish Stripes. Go fish. Let's go. Fish Stripes Live, presented by La Pop. Thank you all for joining us tonight. As always, we'll start with uh, presenting or introducing all of our panel here today. We'll start with Kevin Barral, Mr. Managing Editor Eli Sussman, Fish on the Farm legend Alex Carver, and our very special guest, Mr. Dorian, a.k.a. MMA Fortune Teller. Dorian, thanks so much for joining us. If you want, just tell us a little bit about yourself before we, we get started here. Uh, first off, it's a pleasure to be on. Uh, I've been watching you guys for a long time now. Uh, I'm a longtime Marlin fan, diehard Marlin fan. It's a pleasure to be on. Uh, normally, when I'm on the mic, I'm talking uh, mixed martial arts, uh, the UFC, talking a little bit of uh, some betting action in regards to that. And uh, this is a good change of pace to be talking about the fish, uh, which at the end of the day is probably uh, really my number one pleasure, talking baseball and, and whatnot. I just don't really have the, the opportunity to do it as much. All right. Well, you mentioned before the stream that you are a diehard Marlins fan since 93. If you can, maybe your one single favorite moment of being a Marlins fan, because there haven't been many, but I'm sure there's one that sticks out to you. Yeah, I mean, there's a few. Um, I mean, I got to say, going to game four of the World Series in 2003 with my dad, who was a diehard New York Yankees fan, uh, getting tickets uh, to go there. And then we won that game. Uh, Miguel Cabrera had a home run, I do believe, if I remember correctly. And uh, that, that's got to be it. Um, it's kind of hard to top that. Like you said, I mean, there's not an overwhelming amount of options, but that that would be it. Yeah, fair enough. Well, as we get started, there's a lot to cover here. Spring training has begun. Pitchers and catchers report tomorrow morning. I will be there with some other fish stripe analysts. But first, there's some weird stuff going on regarding where you Marlins fans might be watching your games this season. If Eli wants to sort of explain that with the dispute between Bally and Major League Baseball and Rob Manfred. Yeah, this has been brewing for a while. I guess you could go back the last month. There's been a pretty strong indication that something was wacky here. You don't recognize the name Diamond Sports, but that's the parent. That's a group that controls Bally Sports regional networks. So about half of the major league teams are represented by different Bally affiliates. And the Marlins, obviously, Bally Sports Florida. And so that the parent company, Diamond Sports Group, is preparing to go into bankruptcy. They just this today was actually a deadline for them to make, I think it was $140 million of payments to like different sports teams. And they have been sending a signal now that they were going to not do that because of losses that their parent company has suffered. And so the end game here is the question about how long 
Valley sports and Major League Baseball are going to remain connected at all for both the Marlins and all these other teams. So Rob Manfred, commissioner, just spoke today about it. And he made news because he's, he took a really threatening approach. He says that um, that the teams are going to have the power to destroy, to rip up these contracts and do whatever they want. Now, the reason why these contracts are so important is because even the Marlins on the bottom end, they're making $50 million every year just on the TV rights. It is such a huge piece of like the revenue pie for the team that they're not going to move on from that lightly in this situation. But we are still a few weeks away from getting more clarity about the bankruptcy situation. I think just the short answer here is that for this season, 2023, all the games are still going to appear where you're used to getting the games, whether you stream them, whether you watch them on cable. I think they're still going to be here throughout this season as originally scheduled. As soon as like 2024, the question is whether we're heading for like this really big restructuring of the way that everybody watches baseball when they're not at the game. So it's it's a pretty big deal. This has been a model that's been in place for decades now for every team. And the business is changing because people are cutting the cords and not using they're not consuming baseball over conventional TV like they used to. And now nobody everybody's kind of throwing their hands up and trying to figure out where it goes from here. You know, um, spring training games begin in exactly 10 days. And usually Valley Sports Florida does televise, you know, at least four to five spring training Marlins games. Is it only the Marlins Valley team that has not put out a schedule for those games or have all the Valley affiliated teams not put out a schedule yet? I think every year the Marlins run really tardy with this. It doesn't I don't think it's necessarily involved with this. We have seen other teams put it out there, like which games are broadcasting. The Marlins, they, they're kind of embarrassed sometimes because they don't broadcast as many spring games as other yeah. teams. So they wait as long as possible so that people don't get mad about the fact that you can only watch a few of them over cable the way that you usually do. I wouldn't read too much into that. That's supposed to be coming any day now, though, because as, as we'll get into, you know, spring training games are barely a week away. So this stuff is pretty soon. We're going to get some clarity on this. For this current season, I think it's going to be business as usual. But this is this has been the elephants in the room for the industry really for a few years. We've been wondering where it goes from here. And so Major League Baseball, I think a lot of you realize that like as they have been way out in front when it comes to streaming games and the technology they use is probably better than most other big leagues. So they are probably better positioned to make this transition than other sports are. Last thing, last thing on this, Eli, twenty twenty five. Will the Marlins be televised on Valley Sports Network? I'll go the, I'd say no if I had to predict one way or the other. I think by two years from now that they, I don't think it's going to last quite that long, that they'll pivot between now and then. Um, that's, that'd be my prediction. But even though maybe I'm the expert among us on this particular topic, I'm certainly not an expert overall as to where it's going to go in this situation. Right. Well, fair enough. We can move towards something a little more lighting in a light manner. Um, spring training begins. Well, it's already begun. Players have reported. Pitches and catches report tomorrow. Dorian, I wonder, as a fan, is there anything that you look forward to, you know, on the first day of spring training, whether it's pitches and catchers or it's full squad, live BP, or just Grapefruit League games? Yeah, I mean, it, it just gets me excited in the sense that it's the, the first sign that the season is on the horizon. Uh, you know, I'm somebody that Every single night when I'm going to bed, I'm pulling out my phone and I'm just looking up any type of Marlins content that I could pull up before I fall asleep. 
So, I mean, even something as simple as just pitchers and catchers reporting uh, to, to some, some real spring training games uh, and to that eventual first game of the season, I'm just pumped for it all. It's just it's the early signs of this season coming, coming too. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, Alex, you guys, what do you look forward to the most when it comes to mid-February? Yeah, just being able to go back up to Jupiter and um, kind of, you know, probably the most positive part of the season, you know. Everyone's seeing each other again, and even if it's media members seeing media members once again, players meeting up again, maybe seeing each other for the first time since the end of the season, the live BPs, those amazing videos that we see in beautiful temperature of these guys going out there, and so much more. I mean, just the games, you know, kind of a different pace from Lone Depot Park, which is under a roof. You get to have games outside, feel the heat of the sun, and just a, a completely different vibe to what you usually get from the regular season. So, and obviously the many storylines that come with spring training, and you know, we just filmed the unfiltered podcast maybe an hour ago, talking about these head, you know, these storylines and getting fans' opinions on them from Twitter. So, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot to be excited about entering spring training. And as you mentioned, tomorrow is uh, pitchers and catchers, so that should be a good day. And we'll hear from Bruce hopefully. Maybe, maybe if it's not tomorrow, it'll be on Tuesday. We're all a little worried about what exactly Carver is going to sound like when he tries to speak here <laughs> yeah, yeah, from his yeah. Wi-Fi. Like, give it a shot just to see if we I'm got I'm not you. on Wi-Fi. Can you guys hear me? <laughs> Can you guys hear so me or no? It's not. I'll switch to my phone. You're all right. You're, you're all good. Right. You're good. You're good. You're okay. Right. So, is, that, no, is that Alex or R2-D2? Yes. I have Star Wars on in the background, so that's pretty funny. But I will reciprocate Kevin. Um, I hope you guys can hear me, okay? But I will reciprocate you're good, Kevin you're good. and say that, yeah. It's, it's great to see that minor leaguers and major leaguers are together. Uh, that was cool for me to see that these ma- these minor league guys are going to make the most of the tutelage of the major league guys. Um, that's really cool. So it, it's great to see the full squad together, the non-roster invitees, all that good stuff. Uh, guys like Paul McIntosh is going to be there tomorrow. Um, you know, Yuri Perez, who's 19, 20 years old, is going to be there with these major league guys and just picking their brains. And be- Yuri being next to Sandy, like how cool is that? Like, that's what you like about training. You love to see stuff like that. So really excited to see all the guys together again. Really excited that fans, and you saw this earlier in this, in what we what we said on social, I think Craig said, and said as well, Isaac put a tweet out about it, that, man, you'll be able to see these guys up close and personal as a fan. So if you're so inclined, 10 o'clock tomorrow morning, there's on the field, fans will have full access, get out to Roger Dean Stadium. It's going to be really cool. Yeah, um, uh, what Alex was alluding to is that, yes, tomorrow is the first day of pitchers and catchers, and they will be open to the general public. Anyone that wants to go, walk around the backfield, walk back and forth, get an autograph from your favorite Marlins prospect or Marlins catcher in that case. And there will be a lot of position players that have already been there. Obviously, Garcia, Jazz Chisholm, Jorge Soler have all already reported, but their official report date will be Tuesday the 21st. And this is kind of a different sort of spring training because it's the first time in, what, seven, six years that there's a World Baseball Classic in this time of season. So you won't see Sandy for that much of great league play. You won't see Gene Segura. You won't see Luis Arise. So that does open up the door for some minor leaguers to get some more playing time. What does that mean for, you know, guys like, I don't know, Jacob Amaya, Eli, for just such a different atmosphere? Because you know, they won't be having as much competition during spring training. It's fascinating, for both for them and also for the journeyman guys. Like I, I've been thinking way too much about Garrett Hampson, a guy that has been pretty sucky as a big leaguer the past few years, but he's still there, and he's still fighting for his spot. I'd, I'd say you know a more popular figure to bring up is somebody like Charles LeBlanc, 
I mean, he's somebody that was on the 40-man roster. He got squeezed off. We didn't know he'd stay in the organization. And when he was in the big leagues last year, obviously he hit at a pretty high level. Um, he has a lot to prove. Guys that are just on the outside of the roster looking in, um, this is a huge opportunity for them. In the case of like LeBlanc, um, some of these other ones, Enrique Burgos is supposed to pitch for Panama in the WBC and LeBlanc in Canada. Those guys gave up the opportunity to compete in the WBC. The first WBC in six years, they really wanted to be there. And I guess you could say that the team also like denied them opportunities. Part of that is because they are really determined to get back to the big leagues. And it's a really tricky trade-off. But for those guys, you understand, they want to focus on getting back to the big leagues. They want to put themselves in a position, obviously, to set themselves up for the long term. And this is a golden opportunity to do that. That wouldn't be quite so wide open in a normal spring training environment. Right. Uh, Mr. Teller, is there a – I guess not a star on the Marlins, not that there's many of them anyway – but is there like a you know a, a minor leaguer or a role player that you're really excited to see get some extended looks in this spring training? Well, you know I, I've been a, a huge JJ Blade fan, so I just can't wait to see him show up. Uh, <laughs> now <laughs> no, I'm, I'm joking there, but uh, um, well, you know you guys talked about Luis Arise. I guess how he won't initially be with the team, right? With the World Bo- uh, Baseball Classic taking place, right? Uh, but but you know what? He's really. Uh, a player that I'm super excited about. I, I've been a fan of his before he joined the team, you know, just watching games all around the uh, the league last year. And I've been a major fan of the way that he, he makes contact. And I, I just can't wait to see him uh, in action. That's one thing I'm waiting on. Um, I know you guys mentioned um, uh, Jacob Amaya, right? Jacob Amaya uh, came over with in the trade with Miguel Rojas. I know a lot of people have made the comparison from him to Miguel Rojas, but uh, he carries a little bit more power. I'm interested, and I'm interested to see if his numbers uh, continue to kind of trend the way they've been going. As you know, he takes a step up. Uh, he's a he's a player that's intriguing to me. There, yeah, I'm totally with you on Jacob Amaya. He's one of my favorite players. I think he's got as much upside up the middle as some of their closer to big league ready guys. Um, Teller, regarding the you mentioned Blade, your thoughts on that trade? You know, we we spoke about it on a Twitter Spaces. Just your thoughts on a one for one swap of former first round picks. So, so I was actually happy about the trade. Uh, J.J. Blade. I mean, ever since we drafted him, I, I've been keeping a close eye on him and just watching everything he's been doing. And uh, maybe I, maybe my hopes were a little bit too high. You know, coming over from the college scene, I guess he, he led uh, he led that season in college baseball and home runs. And uh, I guess I was expecting that to translate over a little bit quicker. And I just never really saw the results. Every time I was taking a look at his uh, his production in the minor leagues, the average was always kind of low. And then you guys know, I mean, maybe I'm being a little harsh on him, but, you know, as he made the call up, he just had a, a real tough time making contact. And, you know, that's been an issue with this team. It's been a little frustrating uh, to, to watch games when there's just, uh, you know, a bunch of guys going back to back that can't make contact with the ball. I understand there's some potential for, for power and whatnot. But, uh, you know, if I'm being honest, I don't really – know if he's going to cut it in the big leagues. And then on the other hand, you know, AJ, I mean, he's, he's been looking pretty good to me from what I've seen. I, I kind of have uh, some, some high hopes for him. I think that he's going to continue to do his thing in the league. So I, I like the I like the trade. Good. Yeah. I think that's a consensus of Marlon's Twitter uh, of Marlon's fans. They're all very happy with this trade. And I'm with you on Blade. He just didn't after a college bat. He didn't develop the way that anyone had hoped, especially the Marlins. Kevin, anyone in particular, you're really excited to see tomorrow and or on Tuesday. I mean, you have to be excited to see Yuri Perez and, and Dax Fulton, who are the top guys. And I think it was Mel who mentioned that they'll be seeing some 
good amount of time in the Grapefruit League. So, I mean, especially with Sandy Cueto out, you're going to be seeing those two guys probably get a good amount of games in there, see how Dax Fulton looks against Major League talent, same with Yuri, because I personally think Yuri's pretty damn close to the big leagues. And if that translates to hopefully what will be a you know full Major League roster in terms of, you know, guys who are usually playing every, everyday players, not guys who they have to fill in for World Baseball Classic guys, you feel pretty good about where Yuri's at. I would like to see what Jacob Berry is going to look like. And I know not many like Jacob Berry, the draft pick, but I'm interested to see how, 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 he, um, how he fares against the major league talent. If, if maybe, you know, he looks good and where he stands defensively because currently Miami does have a lot of infield depth. And we were talking about that as well and unfiltered, but just bringing it up here and they have a lot of depth and, you know, everywhere. So maybe we see him maybe hopefully take some reps at first and there's Nassim Nunez and, Many, many other players who were invited, and I guess Garrett Hampson's another one who I'm interested in seeing. And uh, those lo- those journeyman relievers are another one, you know, those guys are gonna have great opportunities in, in the Great Fruit League. And you know, in a bullpen that really wasn't that good in 2022, maybe they'll have a chance to crack it in 2023. I can't contain my smile when, yeah, I know they're so polite about those types of things. There may be one or two Jacob Berry skeptics on here that fear that. The Marlins may have blown that draft pick, similar to what they may have done with J.J. Bladé a few years before. And he, now that I'm glad you brought him up because I had not been thinking about him that much, but he is in camp, even though he was just drafted a few months ago. He's going to probably get a little bit of playing time. He'll be cut early on in spring training. That's usually how it goes with those guys that they know aren't going to make the team. They drafted him as a third baseman. They played him at third base in the minors last year. Their main third baseman this year in the majors, Gene Segura, is going to be away from the team at the WBC. So Barry might actually play a few games at that position against some major league opponents. So that will be fun to see. Especially with split squad. Yeah, especially when they're playing double games like that a couple of days during the course of the the season. Like he, in our looks that we saw him against in the minors, playing at low A last year, wasn't super convincing, but nope. an offseason can change so much for a guy like that. And it's way too soon to be totally out on him. This is a, even though it's so early in his pro career because of what they invested in him, because of the way that he raked in college, like this is an, a huge year in his development. And it starts, you know, right here in spring training. So that's, I, I'm glad you brought him up. I had not been thinking about him very much. I know there's something that Carver wants to say, but let's test you. Say, I love you, Isaac, and let's see how your audio is doing. <laughs> Isaac, you stop hearing me? I'm sorry. No. <laughs> well, I know what you said, but yeah, no, we can't. Um, my guys um, is Will Banfield. I'm excited to see how this guy catches major league pitchers. I'm excited to see how he does defense. I'm excited to see how he can possibly make his hot ending to 2022 permeate into 2023 plate. So Will Banfield, Dax Fulton, I am very high on Dax Fulton, as a lot of other prospect evaluators are. Dax Fulton is going to be fun to watch through in spring training games. And then Troy Johnson. Um, they're going to need first base depth at some point in the first line, maybe after Harar, but Troy's going to be here at some point, I think, during 2023. I'm excited for that. And then, yeah, like I said, PMAC, Dax, um, Troy, uh, Yuri, as Kevin said, uh, a lot of a lot of things to watch from these NRIs, so I, I'm really excited for tomorrow. Thanks, uh, you guys. There's also, um, like I said before, fans. There's a there's a lot to see 
tomorrow. So if you're in the area, get out to the Dean. Yeah, uh, Alex Carver, non-robot version, will be there tomorrow, as well as myself and Alex Krutchik of Fish Stripes. He mentioned Dax Fold. We mentioned Yuri. Last year, Max Meyer was one of those guys, a high-rated prospect that got one Grapefruit League start. It's going to be similar to that situation where Yuri might get one of those starts against a B-level lineup against the Mets, for example, or would you think he'll get multiple Grapefruit League opportunities? Whoever. I think multiple. I think multiple starts. Um, yeah. I don't think he'll be in the first round to cut someone like Barry. Uh, just to give you like a timeline of this, so today is the 15th. The first game is the 26th. 25th, and 25th. 25th, whatever. I think you're right. <laughs> the 25th, and then the first round of cuts is usually in early March, around um, maybe the second week of March, something like that. I think Yuri's going to stick around a little past that because that's when the WPC just gets started. I think even though he's – It'd be real surprising if he made the opening day roster, but I think he makes it past – he's in between. I think he makes it past the first round of cuts. I think he makes at least – I think he'll make multiple starts in front of actual crowds and live audiences. <laughs> this is a special guy. Like he's – I think most people watching this already know it, but he's not only the top prospect in the organization. Um, he's, in some people's opinions, the top pitching prospect in all of baseball, and he – even though the numbers, the baseline numbers last year in the minors won't blow you away, but then you realize he was 19 years old that whole year playing against guys that were almost as old as his parents at the minor <laughs> league levels. Maybe not quite that extreme. Like he is, he is worth all the hype that he is getting. He continues to fill out, and his stuff continues. He was the the one guy you pointed to saying that he's so projectable. Carver isn't here, but that's kind of what he would say. Is that he was. The, the absolute prime example of a guy that if he just fills out and if he stays focused on the right things, then the sky's the limit. And he continues to progress in that really awesome direction. So I, I can't wait. I can't wait to hopefully things align the right way that I'm in person to actually see Yuri pitch one of those games during the spring training. Yeah, Can I ask you a quick question? Well, we're talking about Yuri Perez. Um, you know, I understand – where the hype comes from for sure. And, you know, I'm really high on him as well, but, uh, you know, I'm curious to pick your guys' mind. Um, obviously, yes, he is very young, only 19 years old, but maybe besides that, do you guys have it, have any other take on why maybe, uh, you know, last year in double a, his ERA, I believe was what 4.08, maybe why he didn't have as much early success. Um, just kind of curious what you guys think about that. From what I understand, he was hurt a little bit, right? Or, or he was, bit. yeah, he was. And, and I, he's a guy who, I mean, the perfect example of this was the championship game against, oh, I think it was Biloxi. Who cares? I'm not sure. It was the final game. Who cares? He struck out eight in a row. And after that, I mean, you go through an order once. He, I guess, I more difficulty just to go through it again. He was also on an innings limit. Keep that in mind. So they really can't put him out there for too long. So he really hasn't been able to adjust to – I would say a long outing, like you know, like a Sandy Alcantara seven, eight inning outing. He hasn't been able to do that yet in minor league baseball. And Carver, hopefully, not the robot Carver, could tell us a little bit about Sandy going. Hopefully, I'm not saying Yuri and how his innings limit work and usually how far he goes in the games because I think the most he's gone is six, right? Yeah, yeah. So you guys should be able to hear me better now. I don't know what's going on with my internet, but um, I'm on my phone now, so different look at me so hi everybody but yeah you're right kevin um it was tennessee by the way tennessee smokies who they played against in the final but um 
Yeah, the, I think the longest he's gone in a game is six innings. He was innings limited in 2021. He was, again, semi-innings limited again in 2022. Um, and then he had the arm fatigue at the end of the season. So this guy's got all the potential in the world, as you guys all know, Tyler, you included. Um, I mean, man, like, this guy's got, got everything. He just needs to stay healthy and needs to prove that he can do it over the course of, you know, 200 innings, which, of course, that's in his future, not right now. He can stick to 100, 120 innings, but that's what you hope for him in 2023 is that he can prove that, hey, he can get off the innings limit and prove that he can handle a full slate of a slate of work as a starter. So that would be what you would hope for for Yuri, um, and that's what he's going to have to prove. But I think the Marlins will take it very easy with him. Um, I know a lot of people are saying, oh, he can get an opening day rotation spot. That is not going to happen. That is not going to happen. The guy is going to be put in AAA. He's going to be given the chance to prove that he can stay healthy and handle a full slate of innings. The guy's not going to turn 20 until, like, mid-April. So there's there's no reason to rush this 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 pitcher. Uh, he's very special, but and I know everybody wants to see him, but there's there's no reason to rush this pitcher, and I don't think they will. Of course. Uh, this sort of reminds me of maybe 2013, because never say never. You're maybe two injuries in that rotation during spring training away from saying, you know what, we need to in the big league rotation to begin the year. Like when Nathan Evaldi and Henderson Alvarez went down, they needed to use Jose Fernandez, who hadn't even pitched in double-A yet. And it was about Yuri's age. So as you can take that in consideration, Kevin, and besides Yuri and Dax, who who's a non-roster invitee that's sort of a an older guy that you're looking forward to seeing? Non-roster invitees. I mean, we already mentioned Hampson, so I won't go there. I guess you would have to look at the other infielders just, you know, just to see how that goes. Because um, I'm not going to mention Nassim. You mentioned, you know, some of the older guys there. I'm just going to pull up the list. To have a better look at this i guess you could look at enrique burgos that's someone who kind of caught my eye pitched pretty well in minor league baseball as well as oh, well, we have a whole list right this here. is just some pitchers and catchers that I put together ahead of time yeah, yeah, i put yeah. one group of guys who were in the organization last year okay. and the new dudes just among the new pitchers I like and catchers yeah so just among the new dudes anybody that we haven't touched on we should not acknowledge Nick Enright in the fight that he's going through with stage yeah. two yeah, Hodgkin's lymphoma. I mean, what a tough break Hodgkin's lymphoma for a guy just entering what would have been his rookie year. And I mean, thankfully knock on wood, he is throwing again. He has completed his first round of treatment and the next one would be in the middle of the summer. Like he might actually be ready for the start of the season, despite this incredible crazy. setback. But man, um, what, what news that you kind of weren't prepared for. And just, again, look at the new dudes. When you're talking about the rotation depth, uh, Isaac brought up Jose Fernandez as a comp for Yuri. In this situation, let's say things go really shitty in spring training with the durability of these starters and you, two or three of them go down to injuries. You dip into some of these other non-roster invitees like Chichi Gonzalez, like Devin yeah. Smelter. Those are the guys that would probably be those fill-in starting pitchers early in the year, at least for a, a few weeks at a time, until as long as they're performing, they'll stick around. But obviously coming in on minor league deals, there's some skepticism about them. These um, Overall, I'm pretty satisfied with how they towed the line with the rotation depth entering this year. As disappointing as it was to see Pablo go, the fact that they held on to everybody else, um, it – they're, they're in a position to be in the, extremely strong in that department. I, I felt they did a good job towing the line and keeping enough depth that it could still be an elite rotation. If they have good health, 
And they at least have enough depth that if there are short-term injuries or setbacks early in the year, they have some veterans that can plug into the back end of the rotation and kind of fake it at least for a few weeks. A player that I quickly want to mention before we move on, and and it's not one of the new dudes. It's a familiar face. It's Will Stewart. I know he wasn't that good this year, but he was a player that was mentioned last spring training. That was one of the bigger names in spring training to possibly be one of those guys to make that opening day roster. I'll mention his name again. Obviously, I have to mention George Soriano, one of my favorite prospects. I think has a really good chance. Not maybe not maybe not crack the opening day roster, but definitely be one of the first you know reliever call ups if if necessary. Jeffrey Ann was all right for Pensacola this year, and just really not much more. I mean, Villalobos, another name to to kind of throw out there. And when you look at the new guys, obviously Puck stands out, Shargwal, and um, that's really about it. Shay, well, you mentioned Will Stewart. Uh, I guess we should mention the other guy, part of that trade. Um, Teller, Sixo Sanchez hasn't thrown a pitch in two years. What are your expectations for the young right-hander, who's still, by the way, pretty young, just, you know, like Eli mentioned, there's not many examples of pitchers not throwing a pitch in organized baseball in two years and having some sort of career after that. So what are your optimistic expectations for Mr. Sixto? Yeah, I mean, I'm a big believer in, in trends and statistics. And, you know, when you hear about the level of success of pitchers coming back from being away from that long, it's a little bit discouraging. Um, some of the positive news I guess we've been hearing is that he's been looking to be in better shape, right, than, than he normally looks to be. Um, I mean, I don't know how true that is. Maybe you guys uh, – No, you know, no, it's true. It's, true. it's yeah. true, right? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I yeah. think that's a good sign because the, the fact that he was always carrying around that, that extra weight, I was never really a fan of that. I was – um, you know, th- that kind of rubbed me the wrong way a little bit. I mean, there was questions about his professionalism and, and how serious he took the game, I guess. Uh, so I, maybe he's really taking this comeback serious and he's coming in in good shape. I'm a big fan of his arm. I mean, uh, of course you guys remember what he did, uh, and what was that in 2020 when we made that, uh, that run to the playoffs. I mean, I'm a big fan of what I've seen him do when he's, when he's healthy and he's on the mound. Um, but I think I'm in the same boat as a lot of other people, where you kind of feel like you just got to you got to see it first. You know, you, you really got to see him out there before you really jump on the ship. That, that's where I'm at. Okay, well, yeah, really quick, just for those who haven't heard, we were able to speak with Sixo Sanchez. The reports are, in fact, true. He lost 46 pounds. He has thrown a few bullpens. Not exactly back yet. Uh, he said he mentioned the number 85% for his health-wise and that he's up to 88 miles an hour. Obviously not where you want. But, you know, there's a lot of season left. Uh, Pitching catchers haven't even reported yet. So hopefully he will be able to get back to what he once was. I guess we can move to a more. I know we started off the program talking about Valley. They made some moves. There's a report in the Miami Herald that obviously we know that J.P. Rancivo will not be making a return to the booth. It will be a combination of two guys mainly getting the analyst jobs. It will be J.P. I'm sorry. Rod Allen will get 50 more games. And Tommy Hutton will get a lot of games as well. What does that mean as a fan, Teller? What are your opinions on the way the Marlins broadcast booth has been shaping up the last few years? It's been Paul Severino and with a whole revolving door of color analysts. Uh, Rod Allen, right? Um, yes. He, he he played, or I say played, but he uh, telecasted a couple games last year, right? Correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, w- I was a fan of his. I like his voice. Something about his voice is uh, soothing to me. I enjoy him on the mic. Um yeah, I'm not sure if I'm right about this, but it sounds similar to uh, a baseball legend, right? Uh, what was it, Morgan? Last name Morgan, Joe was Morgan. it? Yeah, Joe Morgan. Yeah. 
Yeah. Maybe I got that right, but I don't know. He reminds me of somebody that I used to listen to when I was a kid. So something about when he's doing the games, I enjoyed that. Um, so, so I'm hoping this to have him on more games personally. Is there anyone else you'd like to see? I know Kelly Sacco got a lot of games, Gabby Sanchez, Jeff Nelson. They're all in the rotation. Do you have a particular favorite? I like Gabby as well. I like Gabby. Gabby's always good on the mic. Uh, of course, I've been a fan of his when he played with us. And um, I like Gabby as well, I would say. Eli, do you think this affects the radio booth at all? Because I know Kelly was on the radio for a long time, uh, along with Glenn. So was oh. JP. So was well, Rod Allen. Yeah. Well, I need to clarify that Kelly is not part of the TV analyst rotation. She's still going to be doing her reporting. I was curious as to whether she was considered for one of the analyst spots, but they're they're happy with where she's at. Um, so that that will stay the same. I imagine she is going to – I would think she does some radio games considering just this past season she was doing them. And now there's turnover on that side as we've covered on the radio side with Glenn Geffner, with Kyle Seeloff essentially taking Glenn's position as the main guy over there. So I think um, we'll find out pretty soon exactly how they're going to split that up. Second straight overall, it's just the second straight year where they had this really deep rotation. It's unusual, you know. Most of the other you don't see this much, huh? Not really. I mean, yeah. the Yankees have been doing it kind of off and on for a variety of years. The there are more examples that come up. The Yankees are the one that I know of like most intimately, where they. Um, they try to squeeze in as many former players as possible into their arrangement as well. Um, it's not ideal like you, you because they're in this situation where Tommy Hudden still wants to do a lot of games, but I don't even think he wants to do all 162. Like if he did, if they felt that he at in his mid-70s kind of had the stamina and the willingness to do it, then maybe they would go in that direction. Uh, but for the time being, like they're just trying to figure out who potentially could be like a full-time partner for Paul Severino right now. Um, so it's interesting for, for Rod that he's the one that's picking up the most additional games because of this. Um, I, I felt that he got generally positive reviews from people that I heard from last year that were being exposed to him for the first time. Um, and so the other ones are Jeff Nelson and Gabby Sanchez so it's I'm just a little surprised that they kept it still as as much of this general rotation for the second straight year to not even have one person that's doing even half of the games to divide it up by so much. Uh, I feel for Paul Severino, man, it is a um, tough assignment when from one series to the next you're changing partners the way that he does and trying to build rapport with that person. He's just trying to put on a good broadcast. And there are a lot of things you're thinking about when all of a sudden the person that you were calling games with the last few days is a different person than the one the next few. So credit to him um, for for like being a good soldier and like going through it. I think ideally, though, it's like hard to say that this is the ideal setup. I I think if they the big question is whether they're even on Valley Sports Florida <laughs> next year or beyond this season. But if they do, you would think that it works a whole lot better if they actually settle on somebody instead of keep kicking this can down the road. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, I think that that says a lot about the uncertainty around what's happening with, um, with Bally 
Um, and like you said, I mean, we heard we heard uh, Rich Wallace and Tommy Hutton call games for years and built that beautiful chemistry in the booth. And now it seems like it's every other game. There's a different person. And not that these aren't talented people, but you build a rapport with the person next to you, right? Um, and we saw that happen with, with Tommy and, and, and Rich. And there, there really hasn't been that, I think, overall camaraderie between the consi- because of the consistency and because not because of anything else, but because of the consistency in recent years. So you would like to see that come back. But um, with the uncertainty of where TV is going, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's kind of an interesting time, as, as we've, called, we've called out on Twitter since this news came out. And since we talked about, I think, last stream that you guys had with, with Duke, you guys were talking about it. Um, like there's there's so much uncertainty around the future of TV, so it's an interesting time. But um, see what happens. Yeah, you make a good point because Rich and Tommy were almost basically the epitome of TV, you know, baseball TV for so long. I think it was from 2005 or six all the way until 2015, and from then on in 2016, Rich, you know, had to deal with a, a rotating door of four analysts, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was Conine and a few others. And oh then- yeah. Also, Reno came in and he's he had Todd Hollinsworth for a couple of years and then he was let go. And now he's had to go through a whole bunch of co-analysts. So it can't be easy. Okay, uh, I don't know if you have a personal favorite team besides Rich and Tommy, because I, I don't even know if you're old enough to listen to those guys. But if you mm-hmm. had a favorite color guy to go along with Paul, who you think and with Kyle as well, because you got to assume those are the main play-by-play guys on TV and radio, respectively. I always wished you could put just I mean, if they had cut Glenn, I always wish you put Glenn on the TV and radio at the same time. Yeah. I wish there was some possible way to do it. Unfortunately there's not. But I mean I, I liked Paul and JP personally. Uh JP improved a lot from the start of the season towards the end. You can notice it. I mean, you did not hear anymore. What was it? P- um frozen pizza. pizza. You would not hear that anymore towards the end of uh JP's tenure with uh the team and um Rod Allen, I was a pretty big fan of. He explained pretty well. Not much more there. And Gabby and Jeff Nelson's the other one. It's cool. And I would have loved to see Kelly take more some games, especially, you know, since tomorrow owns do all of, you know, bringing a woman to do this. I mean, you don't see many women broadcasters, I believe, in Major League Baseball. So bringing in Kelly, I think she'd be maybe the first. And, you know, with the current guys in place right now. So it would have been nice, but, you know, things happen and, you know, Shout out to Paul. He's a he's a trooper, you know. And Eli said it's have to adjust to a new guy, new style every single series. It's not easy. It is not easy at all. And some people may think Paul isn't that good. Paul Paul is pretty good at what he does. Just the fact that he has to adjust to a new style every time, and he adjusts pretty well, in my opinion, at least. So hopefully they could find a full time guy. Hopefully one of these guys is good enough to stay as the full time person, but. We'll see what happens. I would have liked to see JP stay. Unfortunately, he did not, and he is now with uh, the Mets in AAA doing some um, bench coach duties. Yeah, AAA bench coach for yeah. AAA That's Syracuse. Cool. That's cool, though. Yeah, you, you Just bet. to touch upon that as well, um, you know, I felt that JP and Paul could have had some real potential if they had more time to work together yeah. throughout the years. They seemed like they had some good camaraderie. Um, but like you guys mentioned, right, JP now uh, steps over to the coaching side of things with the Mets, right? Yeah, I, I think JP got a lot of unfair hate on Marlon's Twitter. I, I thought that he and Glenn, well, Glenn just did a great job of making everyone sound intelligent and sound great. But you yeah. have, you know, a former player and a former backstop, no less, giving you great information all the time. And I think that's the epitome of a of a color guy. That's what you want, a former player and especially a catcher. So I thought he got a lot of unfair hate. 
Um, and then you mentioned Kelly. I think she's just so valuable to this, you know, to Bally. You know, she does with what she does with the heat. She does on-field reporting. She she's does amazing. radio color. She does it all, and she's great at it. I thought JP and Kelly were probably the best two to go along with Glenn Geffen on the radio. I don't know if yep. any of you guys disagree. I agree. Mr. Yeah. Carver, nothing? No, yeah, no, I agree with I agree with Kelly. Um, definitely. Uh, she's, she's valuable for sure and provides a, a definite service. JP, I mean, honestly, I love the guy. One of the nicest guys in the world. On the air, he got a little repetitive uh, <laughs> at times. I will say that. So um, yeah, but next to next to somebody like like Geffner um, or you know you know somebody like that like a like a true veteran on radio um, could have been good. So yeah, I mean we're here now. I'm not going to reflect too much on the past, but yeah, no, I, I don't entirely disagree with uh, with Kelly and JP as as good radio voices with you, Isaac, for sure. And I don't even go to say that when you when we saw the spring training when Kyle put the GoPro and he would stream the spring training on Marlins.com. That duel was pretty fun to listen to, Kyle and, and Glenn. Yeah. But, you know, unfortunately, that's not the case. Kyle most likely will step in as the main guy, and um, we'll see how that works for him. But he Kyle's amazing. You guys will love him. For the ones who haven't listened much to Kyle, just listen to spring training games from the past, and you'll and, and you'll love it. Kyle's amazing. Yeah, yeah Kyle the, usually does all the spring training radio. At least, all right. That our yeah. MLB.com, it's mainly Kyle, and, you know, he did a lot of it. He's really good as well. Is there anyone that's a free agent on the in the radio or TV market that you is might Rich, could Rich Waltz? Is he a free agent? Waltz, I believe is with the Diamondbacks doing a wait or with them. I'm not sure if any of you guys have any names or any certainty with that. Well, I guess you mean on the analyst side because analyst side, right? yeah, I don't I don't think there's any desire to move away from Severino anytime soon. So on the I mean, you can it's it's such a long list potentially if you just like pry these guys away from whatever else they're doing. In Get Conan back on the booth for a couple of games. I, I've liked I've liked Gabby Sanchez. Um, you know, in the in the in the capacity that he has filled, I have liked Gabby Sanchez, so I can say him. But uh, I don't know if anybody agrees with that. I, I've liked what he has done in his time with with the Marlins. Um, it's a familiar face. It's a guy that modern fans will know. Um, you know, including Kevin Barral. But yeah, um, no. Yeah, I, I like the name Gabby Sanchez. I think he's a name, and I think he he does well with what he does currently. Will that translate to an analyst role full time? You'd have to see, but I would give him a shot. Yeah. That call again with Lebetard was interesting. Was was awesome. One thing yeah. I have to point out in the news today: D Train got hired by Apple to do be part of their. I think the Friday night package God. that they have because they were bad. That for just him. yeah. Ooh. So Who is it that does Peacock? It's a former Marlin. Is it Cliff Floyd or is it yeah, the other Floyd? Is Cliff Floyd did Peacock pretty cool last year. D Train has been with the Oakland A's <clears throat> and the Dodgers the past couple years between them and now doing Apple like once a week. Um, and man, I mean, that'd be the home run, of course, yeah. from the fans' perspective to bring him in. Oh, and from listening to him, I think he's he's solid, he, yeah. not, nothing super duper special because he's still relatively new. To being in the broadcasting game, but like, I mean, that'd be the home run. That'd be the dream, obviously, to somehow wean him back because he's he's already gotten other opportunities from these larger markets, and now in an opportunity to do some national games this upcoming year. I don't know if it's realistic. That'd be that'd be amazing. Yeah, he spent some time in the booth in 2016, just as a guest, and he was great. He brought so much life and energy to that booth. That's a really fun time, so I'm with you. As Navi has pointed out, yeah, he's done, in addition to, like, 
game stuff. He's he did more so studio stuff this past year with Fox. That's a that's a good point. Yeah. So that's a different type of thing. I think he's even better at the studio stuff than he yeah. is at the game stuff because mm-hmm. that really lets his personality come out when he's walking around and when he has kind of a, a longer leash to do whatever he wants to do out there. Now, now with the implementation of, of Jeter, though, that's going to be a long desk. <laughs> don't you think? Like, if they keep everybody, don't you think that's going to be a pretty long desk? So I, I don't know. Maybe maybe they move some people around. Who knows? But um, we'll see. Uh, and, and speaking of, you were speaking about Gabby. He's one of the few guys who actually wore the Florida Marlins uniforms. We see uh, Teller wearing one as well and with a picture of the old stadium. Miami Marlins did make that a big announcement on FanFest. I guess we didn't speak about it too much. They will be wearing the pinstripe teal jerseys on select Friday games only, a minimum of five games at least. I asked Mr. Latimer if they were going to have it written, ready in time for the f- second game of the season. That's to be determined. Are you guys excited about this? I'll go to you first, Teller. Was it about darn time? I was going to ask if they were thinking of bringing back maybe the teal monster somehow, some way. That would be cool. I, I will see it out, but your thoughts on the on the throwbacks? I, I was a little disappointed, I guess. Um, I was hearing some rumors. Uh, maybe I was kind of misled, but there were some rumors about them changing the jersey, and it kind of came off like it was going to be like a full-time thing, like they were actually going to change the jerseys back. So I was really excited about that. Maybe even if they didn't just change the jerseys back, maybe they did a twist on them, but but kept them a little bit more of the classic style with a modern twist rather than completely changing the uniform. Um, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of... Uh, the old style. But when I say the old style too, um, I'm talking more like 2003. I, I like those classic, the pinstripes. Uh, I mean, I like that as well there, but um, I was hoping for it. And uh, yeah, I was a little upset when I found out uh, it was, it was going to be for a lot of uh, a, a, a smaller amount of games than I was hoping. Yeah. Was like shout out, shout out to uh, Denise Sosa for the amazing pictures, by the way, we don't give him enough love. He he's, he's amazing. Yes. Thank you, Kevin. The consensus was that it was a little bit of a disappointing, you know, I, I was with, I'm with you until I thought one day we're going to use a jersey that they hadn't used before, but they used very similar jerseys to these, if not the exact same ones in 2018, right? And so you thought they were going to do something a little bit different, but I guess not. Yeah, 2018, they did 20th, 25th anniversary ones that I think were very similar to this, except they had a 25 patch on them. So I, I don't think this is going to have any sort no of patch. Patches. No patch. This, this is just going to be a true throwback one. Yeah. And then 2019, yeah. they went with the ones that had the black sleeves. It was pretty crusty. Yeah, where they were those just for one series in 2019. Yeah, I remember that because my guy Harold Ramirez had a good series. He did. Those in 2019. Yeah. And since then, this is the, the first time that they've gone throwback. Obviously, they hit a home run with the um, the Sugar Kings City Connect uniforms. Do you like those, Teller, the, the red ones that they've had the last two years? Yeah, I mean, I think I think those are pretty cool. I mean, it's kind of a different twist, you know, to, to the uniform, you know, and I think those are pretty cool. Uh, they definitely have a, a different look to them. Uh, it doesn't really remind me of the Marlins, but I get the whole idea of it. So to me, it's pretty cool. Um but just to talk about the the old the classic uniform again, I don't know what your guys' thoughts are on that. But whenever I'm reading uh, the comment section on Instagram or Twitter, it, I, it seems to me like everybody wants them to bring the old uniforms back. Maybe it's just those are the people that have the loud voices on the social media. Uh, but I'm just kind of confused why they wouldn't go that direction if, like, it seems the overwhelming majority want something more related to the classic uh, Marlins uniform. But I don't know. I mean, this is still relatively a new logo when you look at it. They made this, what, 2018? 
2019. So it's still 2019. I'm sorry. Still relatively a pretty new style made by Bruce Sherman. You know, he got help making that logo or new style for the team. So, I mean, this one here. No, no, the, no, 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 no. The, the current the logo. logo right now, oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's relatively so, still pretty new. So I, I doubt they would want to go back. The fact that, you know, Bruce is already bringing so much back, bringing back Conan, bringing back these jerseys, having that celebration. It is a lot because we saw with Jeter that they did nothing. They got, they in fact got rid of Jack McKeon, Andre Dawson, Jeff Conan, and they got he got rid of all those people the the second he got you know power of the team or ownership of the team. So and we really saw abs no, nothing from the old team you know except that that series with the with the jerseys in 2018 and then 2019 and um, right right and that was by design, Kevin. As as you mentioned, that was a Jeter led thing. Jeter was the one that he came in. And it was important to him that he felt the most successful way forward was to totally bury the history as much as you yeah. could. That's why it was important to him to come up with a new Miami Marlins brand just a few years after they already came out with a brand. Not necessarily because he had a genius idea as to what the perfect look would be, just to completely sever ties from Loria because it was his his feel in the situation that everybody – that everything had failed under Loria. And maybe that's, that's mostly true, I guess. But what he built wasn't a whole lot better, unfortunately, over the past five years. Regardless, now Jeter is gone, and he was – and also people his people right underneath him that were doing that same movement, they're gone as well, such as Gary Denbo, who was leading the farm system at that time. So now with them gone um, – they don't necessarily have to be a tat, even if it's uh, so recent that they've already went through that rebranding. You know, there's not a, a ton of people left that are super emotionally attached to this project. And you would think that if they they have eyes and ears and they just want to give the people what they want and understand how much potential there is from a revenue standpoint, if you just give the people uniforms that they can truly love again, that there's, I mean, the chance of that happening is better, I think, now than it was even at this time a year ago when Jeter was still in the organization. Yeah. You, you would have to think, and and me and Isaac talked to him uh, a couple days ago at FanFest after the presentation, you would have to think, and I don't have this confirmed, but you would really have to think from the way he spoke and everything that he said that, you know, the Marlins have not done a good job at glorifying, glorifying this franchise in recent years and everything that he said, and he wants to do so much better. I actually had the opportunity to ask, like, hey, what are some like what are some occasions you want to celebrate outside of the World Series titles? And he said, man, there's so many. There's no hitters. There's Ichiro. There's Dawson. There's like all these other things. You would have to think from the words that he spoke and what he said that Conine is one of the people at the forefront of bringing this back. Is is what I would say. As I don't have that confirmed, but that's a guess. So bringing back Conine, I think, was your first domino that fell in line. You know, um, and then now that that he's 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 here with with Bruce, and like Eli said, kind of giving the fans what they want. They're bringing this back for the 30th year of this franchise. Hopefully, we get some cool guests. They have the museum coming on the promenade level of the stadium. Yeah. That's going to, I think, like I said on my site, kind of be like the, if you guys know the Florida Panthers, kind of be like the den of honor that the Florida Panthers have with jerseys and photographs and artwork and stuff like that, that really honor the history of this franchise. Because the Marlins have been around for 30 years. Yeah, it's a lot less than like the Yankees or Red Sox or Pirates or Reds or whoever it may be. But there's history with this team. And the Marlins have done 
not a good job at honoring that in years past, probably by design, like Eli said, but it shouldn't be ignored. Um, so I think bringing, you know, paying the banners like they did last year and now bringing back Conine to do what they're doing now is very important for a lot of people that have been longtime fans of this team, including Teller here that's with us today. So very important. Um, you know, the history shouldn't be forgotten. And I think they're doing a good job of this so far. I know it's not the jersey that everybody wanted or everybody expected or whatever it may be. I would have liked to see the sleeveless vests come back, but whatever. It's still cool. They're doing a good job. They're consistently doing a good job so far this year of honoring the history of this team. And it's a pleasure to see that back. And I'm glad to see it. Uh, I think the next step would be in retiring a number possibly, and maybe even retire Mr. Marlon's number himself. Number two. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and with that, <laughs> I think with that, we can go towards, by the way, Mr. Tyler, let's ask you, who is Mr. Marlin in your eyes, Mr. Teller? Oh, here we oh, go. Jeez. Uh, Co-9 all day. Okay. Uh, no all question right. as far as I'm Thank concerned. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I, I think number two should be retired long before Mr. Uh, Co-9, but we'll get into that on, a, on another stream, maybe on a nostalgic stream. But I think we're ready for prediction time. If we can get that video loaded up, we got an interesting one today. This is prediction time. It's 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 time. <laughs> What's so funny? I don't know. I'm, I'm not. We haven't done one of those in a while, so I actually haven't heard it in my voice for a while. Yeah, I didn't no, we did it. We did it last week. Did we do it last week? Yeah. Oh yeah, of course we did it last week. Yeah. With, uh, the Super Bowl, and yeah. um, I got that right. Who else got that right? Who else had the Chiefs? Not just not you, uh, just you and um, you and Danny, I believe. <laughs> Thank you, Navi. I totally concur. Um. Like we said, nine days away till Grapefruit League play. Miami has not announced a star, has not announced a lineup, but I want to get your opinion on who will hit the first home run for the Marlins this spring. No, this spring, not this season, this spring in a fake game. Yeah, I remember Jazz hit the first one in 2021. Last year, anyone off the top of their head can remember? It was Jazz, right? No, that was when he was beating Isan Diaz for for the second base job. Be home last year, last year. Who was it? Well, we'll think of it. I'll look it up while you guys go. But I guess we can start with Mr. Alex Carver. Who do you think will hit the first Grapefruit League home run for the Miami Marlins? Time to hear Nasi. Oh, boy. Oh, man. Um, I'm just going to give a plain guess because this guy has all the power in the world and he's one of the strongest guys on the team. I'll say Peyton Burdick hits the first home run for the Marlins in spring training. I like it because I think he's going to get a lot of playing time. He's one of those guys that, you know, they really need to see what they got in him, especially since Blade is gone. Mr. Teller, who will hit the first Grapefruit League home run? Uh, Avacel Garcia will be out there, correct? Uh, yep. He will I'm going to go, go with Garcia. Obviously, this is a guy that we know uh, needs to have a, a big uh, comeback year. I'm going to go Garcia. Let's see if the power can, can start to pick up again. And he, you know, We know that he has that potential. So, Absolutely. Good call. Kevin Butterall. Hmm. I'll go... I'll go with Jazz. I mean, he's going to be at the top of the order there. You'll you'll assume maybe he gets the best shot at it. Amazing power. Hit it in 2021. So maybe he'll do it again. <laughs> Managing editor. I have contract year Garrett Cooper. No! What a cow. No, I was originally going to go with Cooper, and then I switched to He is, he is oh. so ready. He is, Cooper um, he's got a lot at stake. He is... He's he's been great in spring in the past overall the last yes. couple of years. He's yeah. one of the hot hitters over there. So uh, I feel pretty good about Coop. Okay. 
and year previous, I would have gone with uh, Lewis Brinson or something because he was a spring goat. I'm going to go with Jesus Sanchez. I, I like think, it. I think he's going to – hold on. How do I go back to normal? Shoot. There you I go. think he will hit the first home run of the spring this season. I think he's going to have a big year. I think he's going to take that left field position, take it for himself. De La Cruz will get a lot of playing time. Don't worry, Mr. Noah. But I, I think Jesus Sanchez is going to solidify himself as one of the better offensive players on this team. Anyone else? Anything they would like to add before we call it a night? Sandy will start the first grapefruit game. That is so – that's not going to happen. Don't listen to Kevin. I think <laughs> Braxton Garrett will make it's the next first week. Start. It's next week. You, Sandy will not – He may get one start in. Sandy will not start. No, I don't want to. Yeah, he won't. But, no, um, thank you guys again for dealing with me through my internet issues. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, if you guys see any of these faces out at, at spring training tomorrow – Say what's up. We'll be there, and uh, we'll see you guys there. All right. Yeah, what about Teller? What's the closest spring training camp to where you're at? Uh, The Pittsburgh Pirates. The Pittsburgh Pirates in uh, Bradenton, Florida. So I just moved out to the West Coast. Uh, Been here about a year now. And, uh, yeah, the Pittsburgh Pirates, they play pretty close to where I'm living. The Yanks too, no? Uh, Yankee, I think they're a little bit more north of where I'm at, I think. I believe they're more towards Tampa, a little bit more north. I'm a little bit south of Tampa. Okay. Yep. All right. Well, if you ever plan on going down to Roger Dean Chevrolet Stadium, it is a fantastic baseball experience. I highly recommend it. If not, I'm sure we'll see you at Lone Depot Park. I I think the Pirates camp is good entertainment value. If you come at the right time, you see Brian Reynolds yelling at some upper management guy to trade him (laughs) and watch that play out. Jimmy Butler experience. You you can check out Connor Scott, too. You can go see Connor Scott when he's up, too. Did he even get invited to big league camp? He's on the 40-man. Can someone look that up really quick? I'll look it up really quickly to see. I know Kyle he... Nicholas got the invite. Kyle Nicholas did, yeah. yeah. Connor he Scott. He better have gotten a spring invite. Come on, like um, I wouldn't be surprised if he did it. I'm Kyle not. Scott. I'm not seeing it. Maybe he I'm looking in the wrong place. Really? I don't think so. Wow. All right. He's not All like right. Man, hometown kid too. He went to high school up there. He wow. went to, yes. That's right. High school. Same high school as Wade Boggs, right? What was it? Yes. Yeah, yeah, and um, the guy from the Astros, uh, Kyle Tucker. Same. Yeah, yeah, Kyle Tucker. There you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. It looks like Connor Scott did not get an invitation to Big League Camp, so Stallings was a good trade for Miami. For MMA Fortune Teller, for Fish on the Farm, for Fish Stripes, for Kevin Barral and myself, thank you for joining us, and as always, go fish.